The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. This is Toby Manhire with a special edition of Gone by Lunchtime, the latest in our election podcasts. A big thank you to members, a big thank you to Samuel Robinson for producing. This conversation is with the Green Co leaders, Marama Davidson and James Shaw. And they came into the studio here in Auckland and we covered quite a lot of ground. Really interesting conversation, I hope. Um, talked about the last six years that different nature of the governments in 2017 and 2020 and the Greens' roles in those government. I was curious to know the extent to which they felt let down by uh, the the governing party in either of those terms. I asked them also about why they were focusing on particular electorates this time around and what difference this made and also how they tried to get cut through in what's begun, particularly in the last week, a sort of a vitriolic-style campaign and, and their approach to that. What else did we talk about? We talked also about uh, Elizabeth Kerekere. I was curious to know, having seen them in the House uh, attending her valedictory speech, what was going through their mind. She accused them of an epic failure of leadership, as well as talking about, I guess, the sort of tricky area, which is how do we talk about in the sort of dance of um, bottom lines and ruling out and all that stuff? How do we talk about what their priorities are without getting just the stock talking point answer? And we touched also on uh, what the latest is in terms of Marama Davidson being struck by a motorcycle during that uh, parky. Parker Posey counter-protest um, a couple of months ago, and their views on how to respond to how to respond to anti-trans rights activists like that are the best way around it. Anyway, really interesting conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Marava Davidson, James Shaw, Green co-leaders, tēnā kōrā. Morena tōbei, kia ora. Morning. Thank you for coming in. Um, we're into it now. Uh, well, yesterday there were uh, gelati and robots, so you know that it's a campaign trail. There's also quite a lot of, I know you are, but what am I? Or I know, yeah, you know, and uh, uh, cam- uh, ha- attacks, your attacks are meaner than our attacks, oh, Labour versus God. National, and yeah. all that noise, um, how, do you, how do you cut through? Like sometimes it feels as though those kind of more heat than light debates can fill up the room. How, how do you how do you deal with that? 
we're in the middle saying, stop that. We've got solutions, Mm -hmm. visions, Mm -hmm. values to talk about. And that's what we've been doing, well, for actually the past few months now. Um, And that seems to be resonating really well with people, just putting up putting up the things that are relevant to people's everyday lives as well as the long-term thinking that people um, care about as well. And that's what we're focused on. It's it's one of the things I have a particular personal loathing of during election campaigns is that kind of, is just the nonsense, the huge amounts of uh, kind of... Could be fun sometimes. Well, yeah, to a point, but I just, like the issues that we're up against, the challenges that we've got as a country and as a planet are so great. I just think people deserve more than that. So, you know, we do, as Manav said, we do try and hold the line on saying, look, can we just focus on the big long-term issue? Or we will focus on, and like what it, the others will do whatever they'll do, mm. right? And we, we kind of just get on with our stuff. Every now and then, obviously, you need to kind of respond to something that somebody else... Has, mm-hmm. been, has been saying mm-hmm. because it is just such nonsense, you know, that, that you have to say, hey, look, that that's just incorrect. Um, but you, you've been running these kind of quite most Sundays almost, feels like for the last mm-hmm. couple of months, sort of doing a new launch of mm-hmm. something. And that that's obviously your campaign strategy to kind of put stuff out there and, and hit those Sundays. Is that, is yes. that the plan? Yeah, it is. And we've, and we've also gone earlier. Yes. than we usually do during the course of an election campaign. So we actually led with the kind of biggest, highest profile, in some ways most complex um, policy package, which was around ending poverty, lifting incomes, tax reform, mm. and so on. Uh, and our last one is coming up um, this weekend. Uh, and so then we will spend the rest of the campaign talking about the things that we have, that we've launched. And that's working for us because mm. our polling has gone up in response to the fact that we, that we went early, uh, on, on those things. What do you, what do you think about those attack ads, those CTU attack ads, I don't know, those wraparound ads on the Herald? I mean, you've got to put them all in a category of attack ads. I have to say, as a Māori woman, a brown brown woman in politics, um, the years and years of attacks particularly aimed at just um, how people are triggered just by brown woman faces being in a position of influence and power and what I've seen directed towards Nanaia Mahuta, for example. Um, I've got to say, like, that's been happening for years, the attacks towards Jacinda, towards women, um, pisses me off, actually, and is really poor and poor behaviour that none of our country, no, no one in our country deserves. Um, and so... That's why we are trying to instead um, put our focus and our energy on inspiring people rather than putting people off, putting people off voting at all, which is, I think, what happens overall when you just see attack ads from both sides, from all sides. Mm. I think people will tend to just shrug shoulders maybe and give up. And, And our really clear message is that's what that strategy is designed to do. Um, and when people shrug their shoulders and give up, that keeps the status quo of wealth and power as the status quo. So we're urging people not to fall for that and to exercise their power to vote. You're both um, untethered, aren't you, in this, <laughs> in this campaign? You're, you, were, yep. you stood in Blissed. Tamaki Makoto last time. Totally. You did quite well. You got 20, 20% of the vote, I think. Yeah. Um, James Shaw, you're not standing in Wellington Central, although I went to the Arrow Valley debate last week and you were popping up like a Brian Tamaki 
puppet. Oh, I'm insulted. Just up and down, <laughs> up and down. I thought you were going to start. It was like I was thinking you 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 were missing the bit of that electron oh, stuff, y- yeah, are you? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, and I was there. I was cheerleading for Tamitha Paul, who's our candidate there, who's doing you know spectacularly Incredible. well. I had I'd actually been trying to persuade Grant to change his plans, and so that he and I could come and do uh-huh. the kind of. Um, Waldorf, Waldorf and, and Stadler, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with a yeah. kind of bring our own water pistols type uh, <laughs> type thing, because the Aru Valley uh, Meet the Candidates debate is, um, I think, and, you know, may, others may have other opinions, but I think it is the highlight of the political calendar uh, in, in an election season, um, because it is, it, it's truly, you know, it's political entertainment, um, and and it's a, it's a very particular crowd uh, of people um, yeah. Uh, who, and there's not a single undecided voter in the room, of course. So um, it, it is, it's great fun. It's very entertaining, the questions coming from the people who are literally outside on the tarmac out there. <laughs> um, you, you, you've, you're, you're sort of going reasonably hard in Wellington Central with Tom of the Pool. Oh, you're going hard, hard in yeah. Rongatai <laughs> with Julianne Genta. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chloe Swarbrick yeah. looks like... A comfortable favourite in Auckland Central, oh, which was the big. we're not taking any comfort. Like but we're we're going hard. Sure, in all the elections. But so that's that's three that you're you're already going for. The um, w- why and what 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 difference would it make to get you know to to end up with say a couple of a couple of electorate seats? It's important to remember that Tamitha is a seat only. So the only way to get the fantastic young wahine Māori into government is by her winning the electorate. Um, Chloe's win last term obviously, I think, opened up the gates, although many of us had already realised that Greens are growing up and it's time, it's past time for us to start seriously going for electorates. Um, Julianne's making such an impact, uh, she can actually take that one too. The amount of ground campaign that she has been able to um, inspire is bloody amazing. And so it's about showing that we have got ground campaign, we take electorates seriously, um, and we've got fan- these fantastic, fantastic candidates um, sitting in those places. I think if you look at the work that Chloe's done as the electorate MP for uh, Auckland Central over the course of the last three years, you know, it, it she's been able to bring... She's been able to serve the people of Auckland Central really, really well and highlight how the challenges in Auckland Central are the kind of are where all of those things that we're facing around the country. So, you know, issues of um, inequality and, and wealth extremes are very, very present here. Um, you know, issues around urban design, uh, resilience to the effects of climate change. Um, the kind of quality of our public services, for example, the fire service uh, and so on, you know, she's been able to kind of connect those sort of mega trends around the country to people's everyday everyday experience. And that's then informed her work in parliament to an enormous degree. Um, and, and, you know, the, if, we, if we end up with, you know, two, three or more electorate seats as a result of this, that, that I think really does add, add to our stable. And, and I think, um, you know, those seats, uh, the top seats in our, you know, our, in terms of a party vote, they're, they're the areas with the highest green support in the whole country. Um, so I think we, sh- we should be able to demonstrate that we can win those seats. We're also, the calibre 
I mean, I'm green auntie. I mean, I love my children. Uh, the calibre of our candidates, Huhana Linden in the north in Taitokero, um, who is just known deeply and widely in that area, is making such incredible ground there as well. And so being able to get these incredible, high-quality, high-calibre candidates, I'm really proud of to be able to... Um, grab in uh, people who are inspired by our leadership, vision and approach as a political party. I'm pretty stoked about that, Toby. So you talked about your healthy polling mm-hmm. looking, you know, uh, uh, pretty solid. You know, part of that is probably to do with the Labour Party, Labour Party's polling. But it does mean that oh. even if you're in, well, come on, even if you're in opposition, even if you're in opposition, You'll have a healthy caucus. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. that happens, what about you guys? What are you, what what are your futures? Do you do you you've got a bit of generational change? Do you go uh, pass the baton on? Do I want to say goodbye. I, I'm very happy to swing back to that, Toby. But I am going to take some issue with it's just because of how Labor is doing. I didn't we, say it's just because of no, Labor. It's partly, know. come on, let's be grown ups. I, of course, I understand it's partly to do with that, that, but we we've worked really hard on putting up robust, visionary and achievable solutions for all of our policies. And our own our own Mahian research is showing us that it's it's actually that incredible hard work. Like, have you seen, for example, in the past what, couple of weeks or three, uh, the way that other parties' policies are being trashed, whether it's GST policies, whether it's so-called tax policies, and the experts coming out calling it trash, trash, trash. Now, you've had opposition talking about our policies to say they hate it purely because they're opposition, but have you seen our policies get trashed in that same way? We've worked really, really hard and campaigned to follow them up. And I just want to be clear that whether or not Labor were doing well or terribly, our visions and our ability to get those, to get that cut through in a pretty toxic political environment is something that I just want to stand up for, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think I think there have been... I think that may have historically been true that, you know, uh, Greens benefited when Labour went down and the reverse was also true. But actually, over the course of the last two terms that we've been in government together, you've actually seen both of our votes go up at the same time. Uh, and and I think that, you know, if you if you were to talk to Labour strategists, uh, you know, they're trying to win the middle, you know, and swing people over from between kind of who might be considering between Labour and National. Um, so I, I think it's entirely possible, uh, and in fact it's entirely necessary, for both the Greens mm. and Labour's vote to go up. And would you care to answer my question? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely. Um, we are focused on being in government. That's the focus, that's the aim, that's what we've got to spend our energy on. Um, and, you know, I've personally been able to say that I commit term by term, that's the only way I can do it, and I've been able to personally commit to that. But the but the focus is, um, and because the planet and the people need it, they need a progressive government, especially the next one, because that is going to influence not just the next 10 years, but the next many generations of change that we need. So, you know, so that's you've what commit, you've committed on. to the next term. I commit what, what each about, term. What about you, James Shaw? Oh, at, at, I mean, at the beginning of the term. So you sort of see what happens. Oh, right? I see. So you're not committing now to the next term. Yeah, well, no, no, we've we've committed to being in government for the mm. next term, oh, right? So that right. that's that's the commitment, uh, and and you don't you you can't afford in this job to 
kind of spend mental energy on alternate scenarios, mm-hmm. right? Especially right now during an election campaign. The thing is though that, you know, as as Marama said, that this I mean, it's a hard job, right? So there's always part of your brain that's like, imagine if I wasn't doing this, imagine I was doing something else, mm-hmm. right? But the privilege of being able to make a difference on the kind of big long-term challenges that are facing our people and our planet is so great that you don't voluntarily walk away from that, right? And that that's that's the we've been given an opportunity for whatever period of time uh, to make the greatest difference we can to de- to play the hands that we're dealt with by the electorate as best we can, and I think we've done a good job of that, and that's what we're doing again right now. Okay, one more loser talk question, just one more. Um, in two thousand and nine, I think it was Russell Norman and Jeanette Fitzsimons uh, signed an MOU. Mm. With uh, John Key, who's the Prime Minister. Um, now that were, you know, I'm not, we're not going to waste everyone's time by talking about a, a national mm. green coalition. But is that something that I mean, it seemed like a, we can a talk healthy about thing? That. That's that's, yeah. that's something that you would entertain. Well, it, it shows the longevity of green change, right? Because through uh, those agreements with any political party, but with the Nats, yes, we Mm. were able to start the warmer home stuff, the toxic sites clean up. And it just shows that, yes, Greens can work on issues. We welcome all political parties to come to us to copy our homework, um, to work with us on the solutions because they're bloody good. And we've always been open to that. The um, climate dividend that yeah. was announced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, I was going to say, don't get me started, but you just got me started. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, which is part of uh, National's tax plan. It's, it's, it's obviously uh, it's a bit of spin because it's not really a climate It's entirely tax, spin. Tax, tax cut. Um, so you're furious about that. I am furious. Um, I am furious. What about the stuff that Labour has done? Like the, the the in the bonfire, there was quite a lot of green stuff. You know, you said you yeah. were pissed off by that at the time. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Swarbrick said it was a slap in the face. Um, but even more recently, there was the raiding of the the, the climate emergency response fund yeah. to the tune of two hundred and thirty six million dollars. Yeah. And 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 Chris Hipkins and Grant Robinson didn't even have the courtesy to tell you about that before they told the rest of us. Uh, do you feel as though you've been taken for granted, disrespected? Have they taken the piss a bit too? Well, look, it's a function of the 2020 election result, right, in, in which Labor were handed an outright majority. And actually, in those circumstances, it was pretty generous of the But of you're the, Prime the climate change minister. Yes. Yeah, and well, I mean, I did ex- I, I did, I did have words. Uh, and, and But my, I mean, I guess the, what we would say is that this just demonstrates why we need more Green MPs in the next parliament and more Green ministers and why we need to be sitting around the cabinet table. Mm. And we've been really explicit about that for the first time, I think, in our entire history. Uh, you know, we're going into this election campaign saying, put us in cabinet, give us a stronger hand to play uh, because we are, you know, ultimately, I think we've done a good job with the two governments that we've been given the last two terms, but our position has been limited by, in the first term, the presence of uh, of New Zealand first, and in the second term, by the fact that it was an outright majority government uh, that didn't need our votes, and, and our positions are outside cabinet. And there are there are consequences of that. And so what we're saying is, if you actually really, really want, finally, proper action on climate change, and if you really, really want to ensure that, you know, we kind of stave off the extinction of our native species, and if you actually want to end intergenerational poverty in this country, then make sure that the Greens are in cabinet 
cabinet with multiple ministers because that is the way that we will be able to influence the government and we won't have repeats of those sort of situations. You did have more leverage in 2017. We did. Um, and there was confidence and supply agreement, Manama, and part of that, uh, I think I have the words right, was a pledge for an overhaul of the welfare system. Mm -hmm. We had the Welfare mm -hmm. Expert Advisory mm -hmm. Group and there were a range of things. Do you think that an overhaul of the welfare system materialised? No, not at all. We've been quite upfront about that. The, there are levers that we would have pulled, we would ha like to have the power to have pulled, that, for example, could actually end poverty. That's a political choice. Um, you can choose to increase incomes, you can choose to redistribute wealth and to unlock the resources from the wealthy few, literally 311 families holding 85 billion from the wealthy few to actually do the stuff that we need to get done. So no, there hasn't been an overhaul. There were some steps made, good, kapai, uh, things like uh, matching um, income increases to just blimmin' CPI, to inflation, for example, mm -hmm. hello. Uh, so good, but the Greens have actually put up the plans in this election and last election where we could choose to end whānau poverty and children living in poverty. My goodness, this country has what we need. Uh, those are the political choices that the Greens would make, and this is why we need a strong Green influence in the next government. But it's, I mean, it's just, you know, that, that was in the agreement, and it didn't happen. You know, that was there, it was right there in the agreement. It manifestly didn't happen. I don't know, where does that leave us? Well, it's, uh, but some of that's to do with the specificity of yeah. what's okay. in the agreement, okay. right? Okay, so, so that was so the language that, that can be yeah, interpreted, you cannot, right? Yeah, you can, you can always interpret those, yeah. well, you, you have to be careful. So are there, I mean, I guess the, the question is, <coughs> having, having gone through some of those processes, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all still relatively relatively new beast, right? In nineteen ninety six, would you go about some of those things differently? Do you think now, like if you could go port back to that time, would you have tried to add a bit more specificity to that language? We're in the the throes right now because we are focused on being the strongest influence in the next government. We're in the throes right now of having a look at exactly that those uh -huh. past the current and past agreement, working out what are the things we need to get over the line in the next whole term of government. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are focused on at the same time at the moment. So that's an important question. We we are announcing our election priorities for a reason. And the manifesto, the manifesto that we announced at our AGM, mm. also forms a sort of look at what are some of the key levers, the key um, embedding systemic roots that we need to get down so that no matter what, no matter what government, mm. we have directed a path towards protecting climate, environment and our people. And that's this sort of agreement uh, discussion for the next government that we are having a look at right now as a party. So, so will the priorities be ranked sort of numerically? Is that How does that work? Uh, no, it's not. And, and we, what we do is we, and we negotiate, you know, you've got to look at the agreement in the round. Sure. Right, and and which is one of the reasons why people will say, "Is this a bottom line? Mm. Is that a bottom line?" Will you yeah, well, I want to well, well, you know, ask him because because yeah. it, it's 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 at once most of them one of the most tedious parts yeah. of MMP campaigns, <laughs> rulings out. It bottom is incredibly lines. tedious, but but it's also not yeah. it's non it's non trivial <laughs> it's non trivial. Yeah, and I guess my question to you both would be, how do we how do I ask that question? In a way, in that a way that's fruitful sort of because people deserve yes. to know, right? Sure. But sure. also people hear the 
current Prime Minister, the leader of the Labour Mm -hmm. Party, saying, I will go to my grave Mm -hmm. before I introduce a wealth tax. So, you know, we have this some element of realism and pragmatism. How do I ask you that question in a way that bears some fruit? Probably just the way that you just have asked it. Because what what we say in response is it's not up to the leaders of political parties to rule in or rule out either other political parties or policies or, you know, anything like that, because the electorate has to have their say. And, you, and you know, you said, would there be anything that we would have done differently about the 2017 or 2020 agreements? Yes, of course. But they were largely written by the voters. By the math. Right? Because, <laughs> yeah, but exactly, the, the, the way that the numbers stacked up. So you kind of, those things have a have an inevitability to them as a result of whatever it is that the electorate themselves serve up. And that's why when we say, yeah, we need to look at an agreement in the round, because ultimately, you know, of the big policy priorities that we've put out in this campaign and of the manifesto that we published, our ability to get more or less of that will be determined by how many Green MPs we've got relative to other political parties, how many parties form the uh, form the coalition and so on. And so, you know, as Marama and I keep saying until we're blue in the face. You'd be very disciplined. Well, You'd be well, very disciplined. I mean, I could recite the answer to but I, but I well, kind of hear it, that. And well, it's, it's, I mean, at once, of course, of course, like, of course, we, of we course it what, works like that. But yeah. there's, there is nothing in there. It's like a, it's like you're explaining well, how, you know, how a machine works, not what's in it. You know what I'm saying? No, what we mean? can. We can put some, some stuff in it because it, it is a fair question, Toby, and we, we realise that. And I think our fair, truthful answer is if people, the, the power is in the vote, if people want an income guarantee, if people want a wealth tax, if, if people want free dental for all, not just for some, if people want hoki whenua mai, they can vote for it. And people understanding their power, putting the power back into the hands of the voters, we think is a truthful response from us because we will be guided and we will encourage people to vote for the things that they want to see. We will be honest and say the more support we get, the more chance of getting it over the line, no one can rule in or out. That power is not for politicians. That power is for voters. And then when we when we take a draft agreement or a proposed agreement to our members, you know, they will look at it and say across the climate crisis, the biodiversity crisis, the crisis of intergenerational poverty, is the package that's being presented to us uh, sufficiently um, progressive for us to be able to vote for that, right? So, you know, those are the kind of the three top priorities for us. And we do want to see an agreement that delivers on all three of those and delivers substantial progress because, you know, we will be going into our third term. And as Manama said, we want to lock in uh, systemic long-term changes that can survive multiple changes of government um, just, just over generations. Very, very quickly on process, how does it work? You you negotiate an agreement and then you have an AGM or a special general meeting yeah. of some yeah. sort and yeah. everyone logs on and all the members yep. do it. Yes. So, and then, delegates. And then, uh, delegates, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 they have a bit of time to digest it or how does it work? What is the practical? It, it, it varies a lot. Again, it sort of depends on what happens in the election, yeah. right? Um, uh, but in 2017, because of the presence of New Zealand First and the mm. way that they were sort of conducting it, we had this... We were, we were really constrained and we sort of mm. had to 
talk our delegates through it on the Zoom call and kind of show it to them live and kind of answer questions as we were going. We had a bit more time uh, in 2020. Um, so, you know, they kind of got it a couple of hours in advance yeah. and, you know, um, and sort of were able to answer questions that way. Um, but but ultimately, uh, you know, it's kind of pretty immediate to the, to generally, uh, historically, has been pretty immediate to the to the call where we get on to, yeah. to talk and, about and, it. And on a practical level, not, not not to dwell on this, but that's why the the the, the idea of a, a national green governing arra- arrangement is kind of dead on arrival anyway, isn't it? If you yeah. were to put that to It's hard to imagine they, the they, Green Party they, members. They, they, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's not, not, it's not a start. Let's talk about climate change. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, let's do that. In 2017, I remember it well, in the Auckland Town Hall, Jacinda Ardern mm-hmm. took to the stage and she said, climate change is, is the nuclear, nuclear-free moment nuclear of our generation. Mm. I was thinking about that just before, and I was thinking, if... Um, the same level of application, focus, energy had been applied to nuclear-free moment as has been to climate change. Would we have inter-islanders with nuclear reactors on? Them? <laughs> 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 what do you? Th- I mean, like, where, where, where are we on that? Where are we on that? And in terms of that, uh, in terms of whether or not that rhetoric. Also, the climate emergency mm. rhetoric. You know, we all know what happens in an emergency. If we have an emergency in the studio, we all get the fuck up and leave. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's we take sort of yeah. un, unusual extreme action. Mm. Where are we? Where are, how are we? How have we fared? Yeah. Well, uh, not at that level. Not at that level. I, th- I think the the key difference between the the actual nuclear free moment in the nineteen eighties uh, and today is that is that actually. The nuclear free decision was a much simpler thing to implement because all that had to happen was the government had to say we will not allow nuclear armed or powered ships right. uh, into our ports. End of story. That moment has Correct come and gone. Then. then we've just got to deal with you know the fallout with ANZUS and you know our traditional allies mm-hmm. and blah 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 blah. But that's you know kind of like that was it from an implementation from an implementation. Point of view. Whereas yeah. we you know if you're talking about stopping climate change uh, and and building resilience to the kind of storms and floods and so on, you have to have a program of government uh, in, in every part of the government from all of the different sectors, whether it's, you know, um, transport, uh, urban design, building and construction, waste, agriculture, forestry, you know, innovation systems, finance, you name it. You've got to, you've got to be doing stuff all over there. Plus, you've got to redesign your towns and your cities and your buildings to, you know, kind of be resistant to the storms and so on and stop building houses in dumb places and maybe move several tens of thousands of houses out of harm's way and all of that kind of stuff. So on all of those fronts, we have actually started to make some progress, but not at the speed or the scale that is that is necessary. And, you know, people in this country are having now their kind of first set of lived experiences of the consequences of decades of inaction, right? So, so we're really clear about the need to pick up the scale and the speed. Which is why, and I know it gets boring, we keep saying if you put us in cabinet with more green MPs, we will be able to pick up that speed and that scale and to deliver on that promise. But can I add to that, Toby, one of the dynamics when people are worried about where the next meal is coming from, when people are worried about where they're going to sleep tonight, it's really difficult for the broader broader population to get on board of all of the other things, including climate action. And this is why ending poverty is a climate policy. This is why ending homelessness 
is a climate action policy? And we still get the odd question. They're dying out, but we still get the odd question from perhaps supporters uh, and uh, around the around the country. Oh, I thought you're supposed to be a green party. Why aren't you just focused on the environment and on the climate? All of our policies need to be understood as interconnected and interdependent, and not to mention the fact that the our own Green Party Charter and Kopapa is founded on social, environmental, climate justice. Mm. So this is one of the other challenges uh, of, and, the, and I mention this because sometimes the polls can show cost of living right up the front, obviously, and perhaps some environment and climate are a bit behind. And so we've got to understand what people are facing every single day and why we have to do all of it, not just some of it. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. It's been interesting to me. I've been sort of wondering whether or not the the kind of teal deal energy mm-hmm. that we saw in the Australian election mm-hmm. would manifest here. And is that is it, has it not because of cost of living, or has it not because the National Party is different to the Liberal National Coalition in Australia? Or no, I, th- or? I think it, well, I think part of it's because the electoral system in Australia is quite different, right? They've still got a first past the post system, um, and and so you know the 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 kind of the teal movement was set up to bleed deliberately bleed votes off from the liberal party who were hopeless on climate change uh, and you know there are lots of um, you know, economically conservative, but socially liberal and very environmentally concerned people living in the kind of leafy suburbs of kind of Sydney and you know um, Melbourne and so on and so mm. forth, who were in, in seats that were otherwise kind of true blue seats, who they just said actually this government's rubbish on on those things, and and you know that that movement doesn't exist in in quite the same in quite the same way here. Also, can I can I add to the teal deal stuff because. Mm. What I've often experienced is some of those questions, why aren't you just focused on the environment, are coming from people who actually don't believe in wealth redistribution and they want to feel comfortable about we want to plant trees and not redistribute wealth. So I do want to call that up a little because this idea of a teal deal is founded on um, not actually transforming the economy, which we need if we're going to take climate action. So I just want to call that up a little bit. I get this a lot when I'm addressing business audiences, right? Yes, same. And so... Uh, you know, I hear from these people who say, look, you know, I'm generally a national supporter, but I'm really worried about climate change. Why don't you guys, you know, we need you to kind of work with the National Party. Um, and and if you did that, you know, you'd be in power forever. And, you know, then we'd finally make some progress on climate change. And I say, OK, uh, if we do that, will you change your vote? And they say, no, no, I'm going to vote for the National Party. I'm like, OK, well... <laughs> you know, and we know that our our voters want us to support a labor led government because they will make more progress on biodiversity, on climate change, on ending inequality uh, than they would if there was a national led government. So you say, okay, so we're just going to say goodbye to pretty much one hundred percent of our current voters and hello to 
who exactly? Uh, and and so there's there's just nothing in it here. Quickly on on um, agriculture, because this this comes up a fair bit is the argument against bringing agriculture into the emissions trading scheme, or uh, is we our farming sector is more efficient, more climate friendly than in much of the industrialized mm. world. If we for every cow we remove from the herds in New Zealand, another cow will be doing it somewhere else and will have higher methane emissions than we do here. What's your answer to that? Well, the total volume of pollution that we put into the atmosphere is important, right? So you can, you know, because frankly, we have seen productivity gains in our agricultural sector where our emissions per cow, if you like, or per unit of production, mm. uh, whether that's milk or meat, have come down uh, almost 1% a year, pretty much year on year for a long time. But we've it's just, great. It's we've, great. We've, it is, but we've just expanded the number of cows, right? So efficiency by itself doesn't solve the problem because if you just, you know, like you get more and more efficient, but then you increase production, then actually what happens is the total volume of pollution goes up. On the other hand, if we kind of build on that success that we've had around efficiency uh, and also work out a way to uh, have a really productive farming sector that also reduces the total amount of pollution that goes into the atmosphere, that will be incredibly valuable, not just in terms of, you know, adding value to our own products that we sell overseas, but also for the rest of the world because we are not the only country with cows. <laughs> you know, there are lots of countries that have got cows mm. uh, and a lot more cows than we've got. And everybody is up against this. So if you look, I mean, the Netherlands at the moment are just limiting cow numbers. They're, they're literally paying farmers to destock right now. Ireland are looking at um, kind of installing uh, methane detectors uh, kind of out in the country to kind of, you know, try and build some real data there so that they can sort of work out how to reduce uh, their emissions in total. The European Union has said that, you know, if we don't make progress on our agricultural emissions as well as on, you know, carbon dioxide on the industrial side of the economy, then we will face trade tariffs under the new EU trade deal that we've got with them. I mean, this is very, very real. Um, and the fact is that we, because we actually do have some success in the farming sector that we can build on, it shouldn't be nearly as scary as if we're just starting from scratch because we've got a sector there that is incredibly innovative and you've got farmers all up the country do, do, doing amazing work. And if we could just get everybody to do as well as those best farmers, we'd be halfway mm. there. And even if it were true, and it clearly is not as James has just outlined, even if it were true that um, other sectors, other countries are still a bit shit, like that's not the vision for Aotearoa. We are leaders. We are doers. Um, we won't just sit here and say as a country, oh, well, let's just stay being shit because everyone else is. That's <laughs> less, not Less us. shit than other countries. Yeah. Aotearoa. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's never been us. And so that's the, and as James said, we have got examples now. We've got stories to build on. Let's do that. What were your true thoughts and feelings watching Todd Muller's valedictory speech? Well, my, I, so I, I mean, I, look, I, Todd's a friend mm. and he, he became a friend. We spent a lot of hours together, right? We mm. spent a lot of hours together. And of course, I mean, he and I come from very different walks of life and very different, you know, political and cultural traditions, if you like. Um, uh, but it was, for me, the work that we did together was actually politics at its finest, you know, because it was when we said for the long-term good of the country, we recognise that actually we need to do something that's going to be enduring, that will, you know, survive changes of government across generations. 
and you know he's got an integrity to him um and and an and an, and an appreciation of those kind of deep and kind of subtle shifts in our society that are taking place and that, that need to take place so i think he's a loss to parliament i think he's a loss to the to the national party um and and he's a thoroughly decent human being he's a good human and it was really refreshing to see him lift himself above politics and his valedictory and make really clear references towards aspirational tiriti justice sort of undertones towards um, saying, look, actually climate, we all need to do better. That's where that's where all political parties should be landing. It was really refreshing, not wholly surprising because He's been a different flavour. <laughs> That's been quite obvious. But where's the Todd Muller and the National mm. Party if the if the if the polls are right and it's a national government? Who's the Todd Muller and the and the? It's not obvious. No, it's, it's not obvious. The, the, you've got to remember that you know they've. It's quite an inexperienced group there at the moment. They're quite new. Um, there aren't a lot of old hands around, and uh, you know, for example, Simon Watts, um, who's their current. Uh, climate change spokesperson has only had that job for about three months, um, and so you know we haven't really had an opportunity to to get a sense of of that. Can I um, just totally change the subject briefly? Because I know you guys have other that you need to get out, get out there and make some more attack ads with your opponents. <laughs> Can I just um, briefly cyber Marama uh, on the um, what's her name, the Posey Parker mm-hmm. counter protest? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you attended Mm -hmm. and there was that um, moment where you were standing on a crossing and a motorbike, handle of motorbike, swiped your your midriff Mm -hmm. and uh, it appeared to be a group of motorcycles linked to to Brian Tamaki's movement. Where are we on that? Is there there a police investigation still underway or is that poor? Only because it's out in public already am I able to confirm at a very high level Mm. because otherwise, you know, I can't muck up police investigations, of course. But what is already out in public is that um, a person associated with Destiny Church has been confirmed, has been identified. Um, I did make an official uh, statement that's already out in public as well. Uh, And the next steps aren't in public yet, so I'll allow that conversation to take place in the right way. Uh, but I think what's important here, Toby, is I'm I'm mostly just wanting to highlight that um, there have been different people at the front line of targeting and sort of hate campaigns over, well, centuries. Um, at the moment, trans people, rainbow people are the current bunch who are being exploited. These are people who have been discriminated, oppressed systemically and violently abused. These are people who um, actually are um, disproportionately impacted by family violence, sexual violence with the least power, the least resource, the least voice. And the fact that we have got political players exploiting them to build hate for some clicks and for some votes is quite abhorrent to me. And, you know, the Greens will always stand for those very groups of people who get um, systemically and and daily um, abused and targeted, and that's a really proud part of the Green Party legacy. And the, the this individual, um, Posey Parker, I always get her name wrong, um, is, you know, 
looking to return in September, apparently, mm. to fan some of those flames of anger and hatred again. What is the, just from a, I guess, from a, a, a tactical standpoint, mm-hmm, really, mm-hmm. what do you, what do we do? Do we, is, yeah. is what is the I'm solution? Is, it, is, it, is, it a, is, it, is the solution a ban? Is the solution a, a counter-protest? Or is the solution just to, just to give it no oxygen Those and to are ignore fair questions the, and ones I've been thinking about. Mm. So it's important for all listeners to understand that she is actually required as part of the judicial process um, to be present. And so that's something that, that's, so that's the understanding. The judicial process The justice for, process in terms of giving evidence. I see. And so I need to... Not in your case. No, 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 sorry, for while she's coming back. Um, And so I need to be clear, and that's the advice that has been given to me, that there is a requirement for her in a a process. In terms of tactics and strategy, um, actually the communities are showing us. So it's a measure, it's a measure of... With, it's trying to not amplify and oxygenate mm. the hate, but raising up the positive values, the care for community, the broad intersection of groups who have turned up to say trans Atonga. We had unions, we had teachers, we had uh, Black Lives Matter, we had uh, Tangata Finua and Tinuranga Tiratanga groups. We had nurses and health workers turning up to say we reject this hate as a country. Aotearoa will not give in to this international gross campaign that is ugly. Um, we are not your country to exploit, and we are here to say trans Aotearoa. And so it's that's the sort of tactical strategy that communities have already been showing us. And you could probably parallel it with a bit with the um, anti-co-governance tours, where we have had, yes, there have been sort of counter-protests, but mostly you've had tauiwi, tangata whenua, Māori, people of all backgrounds turning up to say, um, your kōrero is kaka, what we are about is the positive inspiration that Tiriti Justice has for all of us. Thank you. Uh, last thing, I'm just another vision I have of you two. I, I, I was saying to you before in the German debate, you look like you're having a, a genuinely jolly time. Well done. The other time I think of in recent times in the House is when you were both there for Elizabeth Ketekere's speech. And I'm interested to know, first, why you felt you needed to be there, and also what was going through your minds when she talked of, I think, an epic failure of, of leadership. Um, can you can you take take us back to that mm. that moment in the house? Yeah, we we can. We continue to uh, hold our heads up on what happened. We're also not wanting to relitigate details and circumstances. Um, she was always going to say what whatever she needed to say, and that's over to her. Um, we felt it was important to front and be there. And hearing those things, well, we've been very clear. Um, there is a lot that has been said by Dr. Kirikiri that we simply do not agree with, that we do not believe is truthful at all. And we've made that clear right from the start. Um, our priority has always been about our responsibilities as co-leaders to collective staff and MP wellbeing and safety. And that's what we continue to uphold. Uh, And so, yep, we wanted to be in the house, to be there, to be present, um, and to be able to, I think, 
important for our staff and our and our caucus um, to see us uh, being there as well. So that was important. Last thing, last thing. Um, it's been the fever of coalition of chaos rhetoric around. Um, what's your answer to that when you make your case for uh, 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 for having a, a, th- a third term? And also, as part of that, I'm interested to know how your how your relations are with Te Party Māori. Well, first of all, if you look at the alternative of a National Act New Zealand First Coalition, talk to me about chaos, right? I mean, that that, that is a truly chaotic proposition right there. If you look back at our track, track record now on two terms of government, you know, we have been, I think, a very stable and responsible uh, government partner who have played the hand that we've been dealt with at the electorate as best we can in the circumstances that we that we found ourselves. And we have pushed Labour to go further than they otherwise would have gone, right? So I, I think when you look at us, when you look at Labour and Greens working together, it is a it is a very, very constructive working relationship. And of course, we don't agree on everything. I mean, no two parties do. In fact, most political parties don't even agree with themselves on half, half the time. So, you know, and, and we've been very transparent about that, you know, and, and we built that into our agreements. We said, look, on this one, we disagree with where Labor's chosen to go. If we had more votes, we might have been able to swing it and so on. People are like, no, yeah, that seems reasonable. So I, I just I just reject it. I just think it's a, it's an absolutely nonsense. There's no there's no reality that they can that they can point to that says that we are a coalition mm. of chaos. We're actually I think that we've been a, a really good government who's dealt with some enormous challenges over the course of the six years that. We, that we've been in government. Our relationship with Te Pāti Māori is also constructive. You know, we obviously think alike on a, on a lot of matters um, and, you know, we'd be very happy to happy to work with them if they find themselves in a position where they are able to choose to become part of a government or not. And they may not, you know, because, you know, and if you look at our own history, you know, Rod and Jeanette... Um, and that caucus in 1999 chose not to go into government when they could have because they were just, you know, they were just in, they had, you know, four new MPs and, and two returning MPs. Um, they'd only just scraped in on the specials um, and they said, well, actually, for for the kind of the long term, we need to spend this term kind of consolidate and building and so on. So it's not it's not clear cut uh, whether they would want to become part of, whether Te Pāti Māori would want to become part of a government or not. They may they may choose not to. That might strategically be the better choice for them. But that is it. That will that's really for them to answer, not for us. I think it's funny when we think about who's chaotic. What are we up to? The fourth act candidate who has had to resign because of just straight up kooky. And I think it's um, really clear that actually Greens and Labour have been able to both get stuff across the line, kapai, but also our independent political positions as the Green Party are actually why our polling over two terms in a government arrangement has now defied political history twice, which is that a smaller government, a smaller party in a government arrangement just goes, and we've seen that, right? And so I'm really proud that we've been able to hold our own stuff, who we are, and also get stuff done. Madam Davidson, James Shaw, thank you so much. Kia Toby, thank you. Kia ora e te iwi, te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. 
If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.